Hello, hello. I'm Sarah. And I'm Joanna. And we are your therapists next door. Join us as we demystify therapy and destigmatize mental health. Every episode, we interview a healthcare professional. It's sometimes serious, sometimes sad, most times ridiculous. This week, we welcome Dr. Nikki Lacerza Drew, who works as a licensed psychologist and owner of Vici Psychology Care LLC. Welcome, everyone, to Therapist Next Door, the podcast that shows you the human side of your friendly neighborhood healthcare worker. We do this by interviewing someone in a helping profession, asking questions you want the answers to, and answering questions you didn't know you had. I'm Joanna, a board-certified music therapist and a licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm a white, straight, cisgendered female, and my pronouns are she, hers. And uh, I played Dungeons & Dragons for seven hours yesterday. That's Mondays are your D and D day. Yeah, because it was a holiday Monday, so they decided to have a long session, and it lasted from two p.m. to ten p.m. We did take an hour break for food, um, but I did kill a spine. I I killed a spiny devil. Um, I became a spore queen because I'm a druid of the mushrooms, and. it's pretty badass all around. Yeah, the more words I know that I don't understand, the more badass I feel uh, the experiences. So <laughs> you win the gold. Thank you. Today. Thank you. Yeah. Are you like, that's a lot of time to be doing anything. How are you? How yes. are you feeling after? Or was well, it like nice to socialize? I was that at was home um, and everybody else was in person. So I was just sitting on my bed, knitting a blanket listening and occasionally chiming in like let's just get them (laughs) uh um, that's pretty neat yeah so that's pretty fun we had a we had a bunch of battles we had two battles at least two Mm -hmm. that's always fun so um yeah that's pretty neat yeah thanks yeah like i said gold gold medal for yeah man that's a lot of stuff and i love it and i and i I've always been interested in getting D and D, and maybe you can offer me some beginner's education. I will uh, after anytime post July. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I mean September when this comes out. Yes, All right, and I'm Sarah. <laughs> I'm Sarah, an LPC from Pennsylvania, transplant from South Jersey. I'm a cishet white woman, and my pronouns are she/her. And I, um, oh, we had our first gathering of friends in two years over Ooh. the weekend gathering of more than four people friends joanna was there i was there um it was really nice my husband made tacos oh my gosh they were they both, were really good they were very good he made tacos both vegetarian vegan as well as non meatier do we have a word meat <laughs> meats meats yeah so i'm a meat i'm also we had, a meat. We had some non-meats <laughs> <laughs> it was really it was really nice i got to also light a fire uh, Ooh, I missed the fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was nice. And you know, we were outside. It was very safe, and it was a nice yeah. day too. Yeah, it was really it was great. I ate, the, I ate the chicken. Weather. I ate the meats that you gave me yesterday, and I was very happy about it. Oh, 
Yeah, um, they were they were good. We should have made everybody so. take an extra plate because New I did have meats. tofu and mac and cheese yesterday. It was Ooh, delicious. That sounds really good. <laughs> that was very oh, very good. But yeah, taco tacos for a couple days, but no complaints here. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, allergies are gross. <laughs> um, I'm I, sure everyone can people. hear. Yeah. <laughs> everyone can hear. I, again, <laughs> so we are recording this in. Uh, end of end of end of may might be allergies uh, might be end of may oh yeah (laughs) it's like what are you talking about end of may (laughs) end of may in september it is the end of may it is yeah i know unfortunately may just continues may continues on but yeah so i am (laughs) not much longer (laughs) sorry i'm experiencing really bad allergies for the first time in my life and i i'm so sorry for everyone that i've been less than empathetic to when they complain about allergies um yeah 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 i won't i won't go into details but it's gross and they suck and yeah they're really bad this year and with my brief research they're just going to continue to get worse as our climate warms and lots Yay. of things to look forward to. so invest in zyrtec hooray <laughs> yeah hooray. we need to also find a decongestant that works for pregnant uh, people <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, that's just random because it's September. Well, but, I was thinking uh, about how there's a <laughs> how there's a lot of medications that we can find that just need to work for pregnant people, right? I mean, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Or like we need kids? to say yes or no, and not like maybe, um, because that's yeah. even worse. So yeah, yeah, here's your medication that may be good. Yeah, but take it take it with a glass of anxiety about whether yes. it's not good or not, yeah. and don't call me in the morning because I'm, I'm. I think I'm at the point now where like I could do whatever I want, but I think the decongestant is still like don't do that, don't take that. <laughs> so it's very rude. It is rude. Um, so I apologize for my mouth breathing, everybody. <laughs> One half of my face does not work. So. <laughs> I always think whenever someone says that, I always think of the the one kid from Hey Arnold. Yeah. Who, <laughs> Helga would be like, Helga'd be romanticizing Arnold, then he'd show up and she'd punch him in the face and break his glasses every single. Yeah. And he was just like crushing on her, right? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess maybe as adults we can look back, but he she punched him in the face over and over again, breaking his glasses. Yeah, it was very privileged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she never got in trouble for that that is no yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. i mean like good on you for having like good fists i guess to like take that all the time i don't know just trying to spin it <laughs> very nice of you doesn't need to be <laughs> spun <Helga>. but <laughs> no no oh no um yeah, well, any, so, uh, sweeping of the floors for you i i actually have a sweeping of the floors for you sarah i'm sorry uh in our last episode oh, my god in june you mentioned that wonder woman was in the marvel movies oh she dc she's dc so i stand by it they're all yeah. still trash <laughs> they're all <laughs> i like i'm sorry <laughs> I just saw I just saw this morning. It's hot. I'll thank call you, you out. <laughs> thank you for thank you. Yeah, DC because she is a superman friend, correct? Yes. Uh yeah. Uh, yeah. Batman too. 
they were in the I mean those those group. movies are worse are very bad and um it's sad I because I, I was I was bullied as a child in <gasps> when I was three years old I remember this for liking Batman all the boys surrounded me and said you can't like Batman um this wasn't a chicken coop because I went to school <laughs> in a converted farmhouse <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> so if you can imagine a tiny me I look the same I look exactly the same wearing a very cool Batman hat surrounded by other three-year-olds who were telling me and I remember the kid's name too I won't I I I've never met this kid besides when I was three but uh mm-hmm. he uh he took my hat and was like you can't and then my dad was like well, what would Batman say and I was like well he he would say anybody could like him so anybody could like it anybody. yeah anybody. <laughs> I'm gonna come after that three-year-old who bullied come after the three of these yeah gone. <laughs> this city yeah Yeah. so thank you for the correction i have i have (laughs) done enough healing where i can take criticism not criticism but correction (laughs) but i still do think that superhero movies are horrible because wonder woman in most of her wonder woman movies are are in most of her movies I don't even mean the quality, but in most of her movies, it's just somebody trying to stand up against like big government or big business. And she's like, no, I have to protect big, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. big business. So yeah, you basically are Marvel. But no, you're right. Thank you. Apologies to all the DC fans. Apologies to Stanley <laughs> for associating you with who wrote DC comics. I don't know. <laughs> I do really like the music in Wonder Woman. That's pretty cool music. Is um, it okay? Yeah. Like, Wee! I can't. I don't know why I just tried to do it. That's good. You're poison. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for that housekeeping. I, I do make, <laughs> unlike what I say every week, I do make mistakes. I should have called it out in the moment, but I was like, oh. Oh my God, you knew in the moment? I know, you've been sitting yeah, on this. I know, I've been week. sitting so on sorry. it like a little egg. <laughs> <at my head. laughs> oh, it's too hot. Too hot oh for Oh my eggs. gosh. <laughs> all right i don't have any other housekeeping though but welcome no, back yeah, to sorry. us yeah um oh my gosh right. yeah thank you listeners for waiting all summer to hear us <laughs> uh, all right yeah. cool so enough strong all right uh stay tuned after the break for our lesson for today And now it's time for our lesson. The lesson is compiled facts describing history and or current events, good and bad, in order to give context for the field our interviewee works in. Joanna, we have one source for today. Whoa. And I, apo- I apologize for the source. <laughs> okay. It's not with history. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. The History of Online Therapy by Joseph Rausch via Talkspace.com. <laughs> Trigger warning, uh, no trigger warning for today. Listen with ease. Joanna, first we're going to talk about the history of distance therapy. Oh, yeah. All right. Distance mm-hmm. meaning it's from a distance. <laughs> Online therapy has like many different... Like, with a, it's like a bullhorn or something. Anyway. Sorry. I mean, they can all be the same. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right. History of distance therapy. 
Online therapy has many definitions. Depending on which one you use, its history has a different beginning. Most of the people who have cataloged the history of online therapy use broader definitions. Some historians believe it began during the 1972 International Conference on Computers Ooh. when Stanford and UCLA staff used linked computers to demonstrate a psychotherapy session. This wasn't a real psychotherapy session with a licensed therapist and a client. And it was also limited to a small network of computers, unlike our modern internet. However, it did demonstrate the idea of online therapy. So it was like actors. Um, oh. Cool. If you include therapy via the phone as part of online therapy, the history starts even earlier. Records of the first private call between a psychotherapist and client are lost in confidentially, but nonetheless, it is clear that people were using the phone to provide mental health support as early as the 1960s. Oh. Which, as we learned a few weeks back, was really when individual therapy in the U.S. was uh, becoming a little more popularized for mm -hmm. folks who could access it. Those who define online therapy as offering any sort of authoritative mental health advice via the internet claim its history started in 1986 with the creation of Dear Uncle Ezra or Cornell University Question and Answer Forum where people frequently discussed mental health issues. So this is like the Dear Abby of mental health. <laughs> Do you read Dear Annie? Cause I always get email, I get, I get like browser notifications from Dear Annie. No, <laughs> no. it's. It's just a new woman answering questions. No. Right. Check it out. Uh, it is not clear exactly who was answering the questions. I or mean, Uncle person, Ezra, yeah. As Uncle, we don't know if Uncle Ezra was a licensed therapist. <laughs> uh, but according to a 2007 article in the Cornell Chronicle, Uncle Ezra was, quote, an anonymous Cornell staffer with a mental health background, which can literally mean anything. Mean anything. Oh, Uncle Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> Several notable mental health advice columns and forums followed Dear Uncle Ezra. In 1995, therapist John Grohol established a public mental health chat that eventually expanded to become Psych Central, a popular mental health publication and forum. Psychologist Leonard Holmes then offered the first mental health advice service where participants had the option of donating money to him. Other fee-based mental health services quickly followed, but none of them are active today. Dr. David Summers was the first to create online therapy that provided continual dialogue and a private therapeutic relationship. His practice was a steep departure from the public mental health advice columns and forums that had previously defined the field. Also created in 1995, his practice used emails and some real life chats to provide therapy to hundreds of clients in many countries. Jeez. Yeah. Oh. Unlike free public forums, clients paid Summers a fee for private one-on-one -on -one therapy that more closely resembled traditional therapy. In the same year, therapist Ed Nehem launched cyberpsych counseling and charged $15 for each hour-long session he provided. It was pretty cheap. Needham was the first therapist to exclusively use chat rooms to work with clients, according to psychotherapist Dror Green, a pioneer in the study and practice of online therapy. During the 2000s, online therapy gradually became more popular and widespread. Businesses and therapy practices began trying to expand so they could treat thousands of clients at once. All right, Joanna, I'll talk a little bit about the ethical and legal developments in the history of online therapy. In 1996, Congress passed the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, HIPAA, H-I-P-A-A, which I always 
I always assume has two PPs. I think it's because of the word hippo. Yes, I don't think I'd know how to spell hippo. Just yeah, yeah. It's got two. I'm not good with double consonants. Okay, all right. Since since then, HIPAA has been a major factor in determining whether an online health service is ethical and compliant with the law. It is a complicated law with many areas people are still determining how to interpret. Which Reddit, is this is for true. you. Yeah. Reddit, this is for you. There are actual <laughs> lawyers. There are HIPAA lawyers <laughs> who their entire job is interpreting HIPAA. Reddit is so quick to be like, HIPAA, HIPAA. Shock. <laughs> Reddit, I'm, yeah, we, we've broken up a long time ago. At its core, however, is the simple push to ensure health providers keep patient information private and secure, which, yeah, hell yeah, man. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. HIPAA had a significant impact during the 2000s when many therapists began using Skype to provide video-based online therapy. Once they learned Skip was not HIPAA compliant, some of them abandoned it and moved to more secure platforms such as VC. And if you remember um, the beginning of the pandemic, people were also using Skype under the impression that there was uh, HIPAA compliance and some of them are not and also DoxyMe is free uh, without you can you can use it with uh, good services without an upgrade just catching us up to that DoxyMe Doxy.me in 1997 mental health professional international society for mental health online ISMHO its mission has been to promote and advance online mental health treatments including online therapy Many similar organizations came into existence during the following decade, often with more of a focus on ensuring online therapy was ethical and did not violate any healthcare or privacy laws. Some focused exclusively on training mental health professionals to use online therapy effectively and ethically. As more therapists began practicing online therapy and working with clients outside the states they lived in, uh Mm uh-oh, an ethical Mm -mm. controversy emerged. Mm-mm. Even even before online therapy became more popular, state licensing board forbade mental health professionals from practicing outside the state or states in which they were licensed. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I just I don't did know a what people thought would roll. happen. No one saw it, but it's pretty dramatic. <laughs> it was felt around the world. Yeah. Nonetheless, it was not clear these state rules applied to online therapy. It sh- should have been clear. Okay. HIPAA did not necessarily restrict practicing online therapy practices between states either. So maybe it shouldn't have been clear. Mm-hmm. Some therapists, see, this is confusing. Some therapists huh. believed prohibiting or even frowning upon interstate treatment defeated the purpose of online therapy. Hmm. Others strictly abided by ethical recommendations and strict interpretations of both HIPAA and state licensing board regulations. So just for the layperson listening, this is not just to protect... Um, this is not just to protect themselves. It's also to protect the client. I, therapists, therapists should and do take HIPAA very seriously. And like I said, there's a lot of covering of safety for the client, but there's also a lot of trouble that clinicians and practitioners can get into for violating HIPAA yep. because it's very important. Yep. Thanks for listening. Yep. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about researching as I'm going to talk a little bit about research validating online therapy. It's not clear when the first study on online therapy occurred. Great. Nonetheless, there have been documented studies for more than two decades. Since 1996, a research group at the University of Amsterdam has studied online cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT. Because of their research and advocacy, Dutch Health Insurance began covering online CBT in 2000 
2005. Below, here are some other notable studies that validated the efficacy of online therapy in recent history. In 2004, computerized CBT led to a greater satisfaction with treatment than traditional therapy, according to a study by Columbia University. And from 2006 to 2010, a study demonstrated the positive effects of teletherapy on more than 98,000 mental mental health patients. In 2009, therapy can be effective when delivered online, according to a study published by The Lancet. 2014, a study from the University of Zurich provided online therapy can be comparable to in-person therapy. And in 2017, a, Columbia, a study from Columbia University validated the positive effects of text-based online therapy. Mm-hmm. And today, online therapy is a billion-dollar industry that has attracted hundreds of millions of dollars in investment capital. It's a pretty big deal. I don't love that sentence, but yeah. it's not wrong. So yeah. there it is. Yep. Take it. There we go. All right, we'll stay tuned after the break as we talk to our interviewee for today. Dr. Nikki is a licensed psychologist and telehealth private practice owner. She's physically located in New Jersey and provides a mental health services to individuals throughout New Jersey, New York, Florida, and Vermont. Dr. Nikki sees children teens and adults with a variety of mental health related symptoms and diagnoses outside of the therapy room. She teaches undergraduate and graduate psychology courses. Dr. Nikki is a bookworm at heart, a dog mom as well. In her free time, you can find her with her nose in a book and spending time with her husband and two fur babies. Welcome Dr. Nikki. Thank you for having me. Welcome. (laughs) What, um, what book, what book slash books are you reading right now? Um, I actually am not reading any at the moment because at 11 o'clock last night, I finished one. Uh, (laughs) And, um, I read four over this, well, this is airing in September, but I read four over this Memorial Day weekend. (laughs) Could be Labor Day. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Do you enjoy enjoy fiction? Do you enjoy nonfiction? Do you enjoy uh, books about psychology or do you stay away from them? It's so funny you say that because so I am a fiction person at heart. Like I am like, give me a psychological thriller, give me, you know, chick lit romance. Um, But I also host a book club for mental health providers. So every month I have to read at least one psychology or mental health book for that book club. And then like, that's it. Like I max out at one. That's a really good way to to keep yourself reading those books because I like get them and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to read this. And then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to read Jurassic Park again. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So. (laughs) Well, that's it forces me to read it. Yeah. What a, what a good way to be accountable. And I'm also thinking about like that impulse control that it takes me to not pick up my phone or to not just turn on the TV and to actually read the book I have in front of me. It sounds like you have that locked down to a degree. I, you know, to a degree, um, my husband's big on like watching TV, like to unwind at night and after like sessions all day, I'm like, I don't want to stare at another screen. I don't want to like listen to people talk anymore. Um, so we watch like two episodes of, you know, whatever it is we're watching. And then like at minimum, I read for an hour before bed, like just to unwind. And like, I like shoo him out of the bedroom. I'm like, this is my reading. 
<laughs> Leave me. That's a great ritual, and I endorse that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also endorse it. using your bedroom for unwinding, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like having that own space. I think that's very important. All right. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your work? And can you tell us a little bit about VG Psychological Services or VG Psychological sure. Care? Yeah, definitely. Um, so as you had already mentioned, um, I'm physically in New Jersey and I provided telehealth to New Jersey and New York residents pre-pandemic um, when people were like, oh, like, you know, what's telehealth? And it's not as effective. And I love the history lesson um, because I didn't know that those history um, in the history lesson, I didn't know that research was early 2000s saying like it was effective. And here we were, you know, 2019 people saying it's not effective. Um, so I love that that was in there. Um, and then, you know, during the pandemic, like most of us, I went hundred percent telehealth. I got licensed in two other States. And when, you know, doors opened back up, I attempted to go back in person, um, worked for a little bit. A lot of people love the convenience of online therapy. So I decided to stay strictly telehealth. Um, so I still see children, teens, and adults. I did pull back a little bit from seeing kids because online therapy, you can do it with some kids. Um, I've done it for, you know, the past couple of years, but it it is really difficult to keep those kids engaged. So I did pull back a little bit. I see more teens and adults now. Um, And within the last year, I expanded my practice. I brought on somebody else that I'm supervising. So she's providing services as well. And, you know, sticking with teaching, I, um, I started doing more evals as well too in private practice because that was something that took a halt with um, COVID because a lot of the assessments you use, they, they weren't tested on, you know, providing them virtually. So, you know, going back to that ethics piece, it's like, is this valid and reliable to like give to somebody when, you know, we're over Zoom or something else? Um, so now that we are two years into this, uh, <laughs> I'm doing evals a little bit more now. <laughs> I, I I love that. I was doing telehealth for a little bit before the pandemic hit, and I felt that transition was a little easier because of that. And I mean, you're absolutely right. We were being we were being misled and fed this incorrect message that there wasn't a lot of research backing it, and that it wasn't going to be effective, and that definitely, understandably, made some clients feel a little suspect. Um, how did you? market that for people that were that needed to be convinced if I if I can ask yeah of course um I will say I expanded the types of virtual services I offered during COVID you know pre-COVID it was like strictly video um and I will say in one of the states I was licensed in there was like no telehealth laws so it was kind of like the wild west so I had to like navigate that carefully um because like you know, an absence of an ethical code or a law doesn't mean to just do whatever you want. So Mm -hmm. for, um, for some of those people who needed to be convinced, you know, especially early on in COVID, I just kind of encourage them to like, take the time off if that's, you know, really what you feel like you need and consider, you know, is this something I'm willing to give a shot? Like, there were some providers that still did in person and had, you know, a ton of COVID protocols in place. And I was more than happy to provide referrals, but I was like, kind of like, don't knock it until you try it. Like, let's give it like a solid go. Kind of like what I say in the beginning of therapy for people who are like, oh, I don't know if I want therapy in general. Like, let's give it two, three sessions. If after three sessions, you're still not feeling it, I'll refer you out. And then we take it from there. Like we do what works best for you. 
and sometimes even if we have ethical codes they haven't been updated since like uh almost 10 years ago so when you're trying to like solve an ethical ethical dilemma and it's just like whatever you know the paragraph on online therapy is like uh you know an inch long and <laughs> you're like okay that's not helpful yeah it's it's definitely some a, a, a thing that our profession needs to get on um and using all this research that's actually there yeah yeah i i absolutely agree and i'm really i'm really thinking a lot about how kind it is too to just say to clients like I, I try to practice that myself like listen let's convince you like let me you know we already did this consultation let me let me allow like give me time and space to like let you know the therapy can be helpful but if it's not you know then we can try something else or I can refer you out because that goes against this fear that some clients have that they're going to be kind of trapped in therapy and they're not going to be able to find a way out that isn't like unsafe termination so yeah, it's making me think about that a lot. And accessibility too. I know I was like asked by my clients who, you know, um, were using wheelchairs or it was the summer and they're elderly. So it's like really tough to get outside, you know, that like, hey, can we do telephone therapy? And I was down with it, but my supervisor was like, absolutely not. Um, this was before the pandemic. After the pandemic, it was it was phone therapy whenever you want. <laughs> so Yeah. What are some of the differences you notice with uh, state by state issues for, I guess, teletherapy law or even just client issues in general? Um, I would say so. I'm fortunate the four states I'm licensed in, I would say like they're very cut and dry, you know, as long as you are licensed in the state that the person that you're seeing is physically located, like they don't really care where the clinician is. I know some states care where the clinician is, um, but I found like majority of the states are like, we don't care where you are. You could be, you know, in a different country um, as long as your person is in a state that you are licensed in at the time of session. And, you know, I feel like that's the biggest piece that I have to like drill into the people I see, because a lot of people are like, well, you know, I'm a New Jersey resident, but I'm vacationing in Montana. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like they don't care, you know, where you are a resident, you have to be physically located in the state that I'm licensed in. Um, so that thankfully has, you know, been consistent across the board, the states that I'm licensed in, there really isn't that much like variation. Fingers crossed it stays that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I totally don't know if I answered the question because I forget the question you asked. <laughs> well, that was perfect. Just like how things can vary. And I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about how scary navigating HIPAA can feel as a therapist. Like even while you're describing that, like I've been doing online therapy comfortably now for, you know, two and a half years. And even while you're describing that, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I hope that I hope everything's okay. <laughs> Yeah, no. And I think too, so um, I don't accept any insurance in my practice. Um, it was, you know, a personal and professional decision, you know, to you know, my lifestyle, not that I'm like a billionaire, um, but my lifestyle, I don't feel like waiting, you know, six months to get reimbursed from an insurance company. Um, and I don't want people to be restricted on like, oh, are you in network? Like I can only see you. Um, and I found that with online therapy, a lot of clinicians like fall back on like what insurance panels say. And like, I like have to get on my soapbox sometimes. And I'm like, the insurance panels are like, they don't hold your license. Like, yes, if you're paneled with an insurance company, obviously you have to listen to their rules. But like at the end of the day, they are not our governing body. It's state, it's APA, it's ACA. Like 
you know, so sometimes people would be like, well, the insurance company doesn't care like where the person is located. And I was like, oh God, (laughs) no, go back to your your state for Don't do it. Yeah. Can you go a little bit into your decision to not take insurance so we can endorse it more (laughs) than we already do? (laughs) Yeah. Because we both don't take insurance. So. Perfect. So we're all in good company. Um, So I came from a a very small um, liberal arts program. I did like all my degrees in the same school um, and they really focus on social justice. And when people hear like social justice and then the fact that I don't accept insurance, they're like, no, like that's opposite. And I'm like, no, it's not because by not accepting insurance, my fee might be a little bit higher than another clinician who does accept insurance. Like my fees are comparable to other people in the area, to other people who have my training and like my similar skill set. But because I can not accept insurance, then I can say, Hey, you know, I have X amount of spots open for pro bono work or to see somebody for $20 a session. Um, so on the surface, it might not seem like a social justice approach, but it absolutely is because having, you know, individuals pay me privately, I then can offer services to those individuals who don't have access to mental health services that don't have insurance, you know, that don't make the minimum wage, especially, you know, in the tri-state area where I am, um, therapy is extremely expensive. Insurance is really expensive. So like I had said earlier, I, I personally don't feel like waiting six months, um, to get reimbursed from insurance companies. And I explain that to the people I see too, is like, if you, I'll give you, you know, a super bill and a receipt that you could submit to your insurance company and you can chase after them. But by me accepting insurance, I then have to chase after, you know, 20 to 30 people's insurance provider. And then like, I'm stepping away from the clinical world and that's not what I signed up for. Yeah, absolutely not. Perfect perfect explanation. And you're also making me think about how it is very, it's very challenging too, because I have a social justice and liberation oriented therapy practice myself. And there is that question and that thought that comes in like, okay, am I because I'm offering this rate that sustains me, but may not be accessible for every single person that requires care. Am I truly like liberation oriented? But it's also important to remember that within capitalism, it's impossible to be completely liberation oriented because you're working in systems that are inherently built to be oppressive. So keeping that in mind that like, even if, even if there's no situation where it could be completely like altruistic because then we would not have an income and then we would not be people that could pay our uh, bills for, you know, our loans for grad school, our, our bills to keep a roof over our head, food on our table and all that stuff. And I mean, my own soapbox, of course, but I mean, anytime we talk about trying to work well within a harmful system, it's, it's really not possible and it's unfair to be asked to do so. Um, I hope that came off. Okay. (laughs) No, it it totally did. I, yeah. Or maybe not okay, but just more like understood. (laughs) Yeah. And we also have to like worry about ourselves as clinicians. Like you said, I mean, the paperwork and the, also the other clinical time that, that it takes to talk to insurance companies, to do reviews of like that, that's clinical time that now is now I can't, I can't provide. Um, or that's time that burns me out. Um, yeah. I love that you just said burnout. Cause as you were just talking, that's what I was thinking too, of like, you know, in, when I was in my doctorate program, um, I was actually diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. And the only reason it came out was because I was so stressed out 
And like one of my professors was like, you need to like figure out like coping skills because like you're going to burn out easier than others. And like I like to this day, I still think of that of like this helps me not get burnt out because I can see a smaller caseload because my fees are a little bit higher. So, you know, I'm not like, oh my God, I have to see 40 plus people, which I don't even know how that's ethical, but that's a different story. Um, I, you know, I don't have to see 40 plus people. <laughs> I can see half of that. And so it isn't, like, it isn't is the answer, but yes. <laughs> oh, I, it's so important. Yes. Because we're not, I mean, we're dealing with both physical and, or excuse me, we're dealing with both invisible and visible disabilities as practitioners and clinicians as well. And that care for yourself is so important so that you can continue to provide care. Um, yeah. Um, to switch gears, I'm, I'm looking at the title of your practice. Can you explain the origin of Vichy uh, psychological care if that transition's not too clumsy? <laughs> It's not too close. <laughs> so I would say like finding a name for my practice was the hardest part of opening up a business. Um, I knew I didn't want to say like, I didn't want to include my name um, in case I ever like branched out and wanted to do a group. I was uh, forming my private practice when I was engaged. So I knew that my name was going to change, but I wasn't sure like, was I hyphenating it? Like, was I dropping my maiden name? So I was like, okay, like I can't go the easy route and, you know, just put my name and add like LLC at the end of it. Um, so I literally started brainstorming and figuring out like, what does therapy mean for me? Um, and what came up time and time again was like conquering those obstacles that we have in life. And so I started like Googling, like, you know, different words for conquer, you know, what, what are the synonyms? Um, and Julius Caesar's Vidi Vidi Vici came up and I was like, oh my God, I love that because, you know, most people like don't realize like Vici came from that. So it's like a name that's like, oh, okay. Like it's quirky a little bit. Um, and it just like encapsulates, like, this is how I approach therapy is like, we work on the problem that you're coming to me with. We get you the tools you need. You go on your way, you come back if you need, you know, some fine tuning, but ultimately like it's your life and like you absolutely can overcome the obstacles. Yeah. Another, another reason to go to therapy, your therapist is, you know, again, this, there's this like understandable fear that your therapist wants you to be addicted to them, <laughs> come back and go forever and ever. Your therapist wants you to complete your care and hit your treatment plan goals as much as you do. Um, yeah. And that's a beautiful way to say it. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I always say like, my job is to put myself out of a job. Like you're really not meant to be in therapy forever. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's also just making me think of how kind of broken our system is a little bit. And yeah, I mean, we're talking about insurance and I don't know. Ah, is what I you can also just take a moment to just exist right now. <laughs> like while we're having yeah. this conversation, like how hard yeah. this is. And even that, I mean, even I mean, how we Joanna, we've had this discussion about insurance on probably half of our episodes and I I think we both realize that we're never gonna like reach an answer within the system we have but every time we do have an awesome clinician on the show who shows up and is like yeah totally like <laughs> I'm with you like what can we do to dismantle this it's very encouraging to me so Dr. Nikki how do you get support I mean for from other therapists who are maybe like-minded and feel similar struggle that you've experienced in the field um 
I, I would say it, it's tough. Um, I feel like right now a lot of providers do accept insurance and I'm not, you know, bashing them at all. Like you do what works for you, what works for your family and your business. Um, and I think sometimes that fear approach comes in, you know, not accepting insurance. It does take a little bit longer to build your caseload um, and people have bills to pay. So they'll be like, okay, I'll just jump on like one insurance panel um, or, you know, I'll, I'll jump on a couple, like whatever it is. Um, so I feel like there's a smaller pool of us that are out of network and don't take insurance. And I personally, you know, send referrals their way. I joke that I'm a referral snob. Um, unless somebody is specifically asking, like, can you give me a referral to somebody you know, you know, accepts this insurance? I am referring within my pool of other providers that are also private pay and have a similar stance. Um, just to like get the word out there that there is like restrictions and there doesn't need to be and that we can support each other. And like, you can still provide amazing therapy and not be on insurance panels. <laughs> so like, yeah, so sending referrals people's way. Um, I do these like informal, like coffee and chat, virtual coffee and chats that I started during COVID. Cause like, I couldn't like go to a coffee shop with somebody. So I've just like, Hey, like we haven't spoken in a while. Like, do you just want to hop on a quick call and like, let me know, like, how is it going? Are you accepting new people? You know, did you get, you know, additional training, like whatever it is. Um, and just like collaborating more and taking that, you know, that extra approach of like, I value the work that you do and I want to stay connected with you. Yeah. I what think an incredible. Yeah. Idea. That's such a, I mean, to have a referral network too, because like, we don't, you know, we all have niches and we all have, you know, and also our personalities are going to jive with some people better than others. Um, so it's always good to, to have those people, um, you know, in your back pocket that, so that you can provide the best care, um, as a clinician. Yeah. I like that you said, like, we all have different personalities. Like I personally, if I'm referring somebody out, I'm not just going to be like, here's random names. Like, I'm like, okay, you know, what is the issue you're coming to me with that, you know, I can't help with for whatever reason. And like, what is your personality like? And let me try to, it's not always going to be the best match, but like, let me try to cut out some of that guesswork because trying to find a provider is hard enough. And now I'm like, "Mm, sorry, like I can't see you. So trying to figure out like what their personality is and matching them. How do you, and a lot of, Oh, go ahead, Joanna. I'm just going to say like a lot of that is made possible because you have time <laughs> because, exactly. because insurance panels are a, like a part and at some point full-time job. So you're able to provide this better care and able to refer better. You're able to have better peer support. Yeah. Yeah. Add it to the list of reasons. <laughs> and again, not knocking people who take insurance. Um, it's well, part, it's not, it's not, 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 you don't like you, like Dr. Nikki said, you know, you need to like put food on the table. So we don't knock people that also are, you know, Joanna, like we've talked about, we're not knocking folks who also go on uh, some websites that shall not be named because it's not their fault that someone is exploiting a gap. It's not. Yep. Um, yeah, and we'll, so, and I mean, we might still be working for those websites who should not be named, mm-hmm. but but if this is airing in September, I'm done with them. So yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> but it, yeah, so like our, so I think the big point we have is we, we don't, we're not judging therapists for doing something that makes their lives easier. We're judging the systems that are making, mm-hmm. that are the reason why the lives are more difficult. <laughs> yes. so, yeah. Yeah. If anything, like the, 
the providers I know that do accept insurance, I'm like, kudos to you because like, I, I don't want to deal with that. And like you mm-hmm. deal with it every day. So, you know, hands off or gloves off to you that that's what you do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Have you done any text-based therapy, um, synchronous or asynchronous? I have, um, on a website that should not be named way back when, um, and then Me left. Too. and and realized like I can do I can do this in a way that works for the people that I see um in a way that's ethical in a way that you know does abide by HIPAA um and I found that that's like most people now that I'm 100% online most people like the video um because it's the closest to in person but some people ask for that like in between like chat or text space of like hey it's going to be a difficult week I might not have an opportunity to like do another video call but can we do chat or text space I'm like absolutely um I don't mind it it it's easier um if you're patient you know they I have like a rule of like how often I will respond throughout each day. Like, so if you're patient and don't need a response from me right away, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's super, I, I've done some on the, the website that shall not be named and it, it was helpful. <laughs> the, the thing I will say, if, if you, if you want to do like a, like a synchronous chat based focus on that while you're doing it. Which is, and then it's like, well, then we should just be talking on the phone uh, because <laughs> it's really easy to get distracted. And then I'm like, where, what's going on? I can't, you know, um, that's what I'll, that's what I'll say as, as a client, focus on that. No, and I think too, like during COVID, um, it was difficult for some people, especially in New Jersey, when we had like the stay at home order, they were like, I like, I live in a small house. Like I can't have a private therapy session. So, you know, we'd be like, okay, like go out to your car. And it's like, oh, like the internet doesn't reach out there. And it's like, all right, like, let's just do chat based because like, that's what you need. Like I'm trying to meet you where you're at, which so many clinicians say like, this is where you're at right now and we'll make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And I had some chat based uh, clients who turned to just phone and like that was that was what they needed because they didn't want to you know they they didn't want to do video which I totally completely understand um which is like so so cool that we can offer that you know um it's like just helps with trauma and non-confrontation to just have it just be your voice which is great yeah yeah I love this. I love normalizing this. I love I love just making our methods of interacting with our loved ones kind of normalized for being supportive to clients cuz I mean we could say till we're blue in this face that it's unethical or that it's not supportive in a way, but we're really just very influenced by traditional in-person office talk therapy. And if we're okay being supportive to loved ones and, you know, friends and family over text and phone, why the hell can't we? <laughs> why why can't we feel that that's safe to do? For other people that were ethically bound to, yeah, I'm on board. I love it because I'd never thought about this. I've never thought about it as an option. And Joanna knows I'm not a professional texter. I am a. I'm all respond six hours later. <laughs> that is so me as well. Um, oh boy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so me as well. Like people, like friends and family will text, and it'll be like a day or two later, and I'm like, oh, I opened this and mm-hmm. I read it, but I didn't respond. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the exact opposite where it's like, you already got a response from me before you texted me. 
which sometimes I feel like is, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that was, I, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I do. Yeah. I do think that like, I get embarrassed when I do respond right away. Cause then I'm like, <laughs> oh, now they think that, <laughs> but like, I think the one time Joanna, you did predict what I was going to ask was when I asked how you were doing, when I knew you were going to the doctor to find out if you were pregnant and you were like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one yeah, time I that one time <laughs> um yeah so but I think I I I'm also wondering if there if there are HIPAA compliant like text like chat based platforms out there I mean I guess it could be through zoom um just without mm-hmm. the the video but um but that was one well, thing you- that I that I had that I wanted to provide when I became, you know, my my own private practice because I, I saw the benefit of it using the the um, Voldemort platform. Um, but uh, <laughs> sorry, and uh, it, and it's hard. That's that's what's hard is finding HIPAA HIPAA compliant things. Period. I wonder since, since you can sense. sign a BAA with Google, I wonder if they have a. Mm-hmm. Like that's all you really need is the BAA signature, right? I mean, I mean, what do you, Dr. Nikki, what do you use? Is this, do you use like Google voice or? A- so, yeah. So I use, um, am I allowed to like say all the names on here? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. No one pays us. Uh, anything. <laughs> yeah. We get everybody in trouble. We just don't um, like saying the other place. Cause it, it bigs, it brings bad vibes into our space, but yeah, anyone I, else I totally also a totally okay. helpful platform, but like it's explaining you and you shouldn't be using it. So yeah side note <laughs> both sides it's explaining you don't do it okay you'll never get um, a true opinion <laughs> so i use um i use psychology today's uh sessions platform for my video sessions um just because it was like the one that had the least amount of glitches and on there they actually have a chat feature so for my, I always mess them up for my synchronous chat. It's like a scheduled, it's basically a scheduled session. So I go on there, um, and it's HIPAA compliant. So like we chat that way, um, asynchronous chat. I actually have a specific form that I have individuals fill out. I have the paid Google voice. So there's a BAA, it is HIPAA compliant. Um, but it's like, I can't control on my client or patients and who has access to their text messages. So mm-hmm. I just make it very clear, like if you want asynchronous chat, there is like a risk involved because on my end it's secure, but you know, I, I can't control who sees your text messages. Um, so I just have individuals sign that and I have a conversation of like, you know, would synchronous actually be easier? Like who has access to your phone? You know, is your phone password protected? All of that. And you know, if they're like, no, like I still want to do asynchronous I say okay like after we're done like anytime after I respond or anytime after you send a text like delete it right away like get mm-hmm. it out make sure it's not like on the cloud anywhere either yeah it's a great idea and a great reminder I mean similar to emails right who has access to your computer who has access to your tablet or your phone just you know just always be aware of that exactly always be yeah. aware of that if you're mm-hmm. using the that that should not be named platform who also has access to the things that you send your therapist because uh, they can't delete them so <sighs> anyway that's my spiel for today no i mean anyway. yeah, it's, it's very clear it's very clear where we land but I, I, i'm so done 
<laughs> and you two can tell me if you agree with this or if you do not endorse it. Again, we get why it's there. There was a gap. It doesn't mean the gap should have been filled with what it's been filled with. Um, yeah. 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 Right, cool. Well, agreed. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've changed the world with just yeah. with that. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so. Dr. Nikki had said that you'd kind of pulled away from working with kids um, because, because yeah, kids on telehealth can be challenging. What are some of the benefits that you've noticed with adults and with adolescents with teletherapy? Um, definitely the convenience. I know like a lot, I see a lot of teenagers um, and, you know, between school, extracurricular activities, like all this stuff, like driving to the office, especially with, you know, their parents' work schedule, it was really difficult. So now it's easier. It's like, hey, like I have an hour between, you know, school and soccer practice. I, I'm home. I can just hop on a call. It doesn't matter, you know, where mom and dad are. Um, so definitely convenience and also just flexibility too. Like mm -hmm. I used to have an hour commute to and from my office. So like I now can offer <laughs> more flexibility. Like, you know, I just walk upstairs in my house. Um, I can offer more flexibility if you need an early morning appointment, if you need, I, I go pretty late anyway. Um, if you need a late appointment, a weekend appointment. So convenience is there. Flexibility is there. Um, even just for the parents too, of like, Hey, I, I want to touch base with you. A lot of parents wanted to come in the office, which I have no issue with. Like they were like, I'd rather see you face to face than do a check-in over the phone. And now it's like, let's hop on a video. Oh. Yeah. That's so great. I'd it's, imagine like the text-based stuff is, is helpful for teens too. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I would even, even like before COVID and before, like I routinely did, um, telehealth options, like I would have teens like check in with me, like not realizing like, you know, this really isn't something you do. <laughs> and I'm like, well, why isn't it something we do? And you know, other clinicians would hop on and be like, that's unethical. You can't do it. I'm like, just because you don't agree with it or it's unknown to you doesn't mean it's unethical. Like I I'm within my ethics. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to point out how how challenging it is when if we bring up something that might be a little revolutionary and outside the box of something traditional, which has been formerly extremely inaccessible to a lot of people, that there is a quick response of calling it unethical. And just inviting us to all think about why that is. <laughs> um, like why our immediate response is to label something as negative if it differs from the norm. I, don't know, I wonder, I wonder what systems are interacting there. I mean, I don't wonder, but you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's also making me think about like the need for like researchers who are breaking out of the mold to research these things. So that way they do have a scientific backing and then maybe we can bring it to insurance companies and say, this is great. Please pay for this. Mm -hmm. uh, and also please pay us the, the, the rate that we deserve instead of the rate that was 20 years ago. Um, as we talked to our last clinician, like yes. three months ago, yes. AKA not make weeks ago, months ago. Uh, how, how the price of Medicaid has not changed in 20 years, just like the price, uh, of the, the price that they, changed, they yeah. reimburse is yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Or just like advocacy that we need. And like, maybe that's like, if I have time and I can do it, I can, you know, that's also like to not be exploited, not be burnout is like to be able to, you know, 
push our profession. And I think that's like part of what Sarah and I do too, is show there's many options. Absolutely. Many options. And I think too, like, um, in my conversations with individuals who like reach out for my services, a lot of people don't understand insurance. Like they have no idea how out of network benefits work. Like they just assume that the rate they see on our website, that's what the insurance companies pay us also. So I think like mm-hmm. educating, you know, the lay person, the people seeking mental health services of like, this might be what you thought it was. It might be what is, you know, maybe assumed and set out there, but it's not reality. Yeah. 100%. I mean, that's such a, it's such a good point. Um, and like, what a, what an easy clarification that can be. Um, and like reminder to everybody listening to that while insurance is confusing, that you're not, you're not, a, you're, it's not that you're not a smart person. It's just that it's confusing on purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't so even understand to. I don't even understand it at all. I like send a link that explains how to navigate out of network benefits. Cause I <laughs> rely heavily, very on it, or I rely very heavily on it. And yeah. So, I mean, that's intentional. It's on purpose. And we are here to make it a little more simple for you. Therapy is an investment. You're investing in yourself and you are very important. And it's not going to be forever. Again, our job is to yes. make it. So, I mean, we love seeing you, we love you, but you know, it, it'll end. Yeah. And I, and I like also sometimes people are in therapy for a very yeah. long time and sometimes they stop for a couple of years. Sometimes they go back again and it's, you know, if your if your main goals are hit, that is wonderful, but please, please don't feel if you've been in therapy for a very long time. Um, no, like that's myself, okay too. Definitely. Yeah, me too. That's okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think too, like that speaks to the insurance piece of like some insurance companies will dictate like how many sessions you can have. And I'm like, like therapy is not cookie cutter. Again, we do what works best for you. Like so many people, I I know I keep going back to COVID, but like I use it so much as an example of like, there were people I already, I was ready to discharge because they met all their treatment goals and then COVID hit and like, I'm still seeing them. Yeah. Yeah. And I was able to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to continue doing that because I didn't accept insurance. So like, I didn't have to be like, oh wait, how many sessions am I allowed to have with you? It's like, all right, let's just keep going. And now my documentation has to, you know, prove that this is, you know, something that, yeah. Um, yeah, no, then I think that's like what we need. We need flexibility as clinicians because our world is constantly changing, and, you know, we, we just need that flexibility. Um, Agreed. Even yes, just absolutely. like when, when we all had to go virtual, not all of us, I, I make a general statement, but like when majority of us had to go virtual again, like, I think my lucky star is that I was already doing some virtual therapy and I didn't have any outside restrictions. Cause I was like, okay, here we go. Like we're going virtual. Like what method do you want? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Oh, good call. All right. What do you think are some resources that anybody should know about from therapists to potential clients to current clients? What's important to share? With telehealth specifically or just in general? Really? Anything? Just in general. Yeah. We have been talking about telehealth a lot, so sure. But if there's anything just in particular that you love sharing with people? Um, oh, that's a tough one. Mm. 
I don't, I feel like for, for my people, especially, I always encourage them like ask questions. Like if you don't know, ask questions, um, because I will give you, I, I will give you the answer that I have, or I will work with you to find the answer. Um, you know, especially I, I'm going to go back to telehealth just cause it's like what we're talking about, like speak specifically to your provider, because as a provider myself, stuff is constantly changing. Like we can't keep up with it. I don't expect the people who come to see me to keep up with it. You know, I'm constantly like, these are the changes. Um, not so much now, but you know, when we were all in COVID and all like, these are the changes, this is what's happening. Um, stay in contact with your provider, ask questions, you know, insurance-based stuff, reach out to your insurance company, you know, force them to walk you through what your out-of-network benefits are, what your deductible is. Like their job is to explain it to you. Like make them stay on the phone with you. You have to wait on hold for multiple hours. <laughs> make them stay on the phone with you mm -hmm. for multiple hours and get your questions answered. Um, and same thing, if you're submitting stuff to insurance companies and you know, it's being declined or whatever it is, like call them up. Like, why is this being declined? What, you know, what do you need on this? Um, it, it shouldn't be this difficult. And it is. And I'm hoping like the more people push back and like start to try to hold people and companies accountable, this will mm -hmm. slowly decrease. That's my, my hope. Um, and telehealth wise for providers, like I I've always been tapped into all the licensing boards in the States that I'm licensed as things are changing, um, you know, professional organizations for the state. Cause I feel like, you know, the licensing boards might be slow to come out with the information, but the state organizations are typically on top of it. And I get more of the information from them. And I'm like, oh, like this is coming down the line. Like this is happening. Um, so staying connected with your state, local, state, um, APA, ACA, just staying on top of all of that. Yeah. Just em empower yourself with knowledge. I mean, you know, like Dr. Nick, Dr. Nikki was saying, it's all there. You just, oftentimes you just have to demand it. <laughs> you have to demand your what is rightfully yours. And that's knowledge. That's knowledge, baby. All right. Uh, so we're moving on to our would you rather question. The first question, <gasps> there's, there's two, red or green? Um, green. Okay. I don't know why that was so difficult. Shit. I know. Because it's I, very scary. Because, <laughs> yeah. Well, so the, the card, it was either a red card or a green card. So, um, and that means nothing. Um, <laughs> it's just these Uno, these fake Uno cards. Um, this is a fun one for us as therapists to answer. Uh, would you rather have to talk to a hundred people every day or only get to talk to one person a week? I'm going to say a hundred people every day. Yes. Cause although it might be exhausting, I feel like one person once a week is going to get very boring. And one of the things I like about my job is like, I never know what I'm going to get each day or each session. So I'm going to go with a hundred people a day and it'll force me to have some very strict boundaries and self-care in place. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent answer. I agree. A hundred people a day. Cause it could also just be high. It could be a hello. And we're not, you know, mental, mental health wise, talking to just one person a week is not good. Um, yeah. You need contact with more individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Joanna, what about you? Yeah. I would do the hundred people every day. It'd be interesting. Like if once we are ever out of COVID to like, see how many people I actually do talk to a day. Um, Ooh. Cause like now it's, you know, like three, but, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. 
today it's double um <laughs> but yeah that'd be very and so i would talk to 100 people every day um yeah because i do i do also enjoy the this like whoa this is what we're talking about today that's amazing i'm so excited to talk about this yeah yeah and even if the conversations aren't great sorry go ahead yeah. No, I was going to say, I would like to ease into a hundred people a day. Cause I just remember when I first like went outside after lockdown, I was like, the, I forget where my husband and I like first went and we were like, this is exhausting. Like we talked to five people. <laughs> so ease yeah, into 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe you have like a week to just like slowly build <laughs> your interactions Yeah, and the length of the interactions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. could it, could it just be like, Hey, what's up? when you see someone like on the street walking your dog like your neighbor like hi how are you bye yeah that so like the grocery store yeah or does a nod yeah, count yeah. like mm-hmm. we're both here and i acknowledge your presence and you acknowledge yeah me. yeah why not why not or like a how you doing but they have to answer yeah it's fine mm-hmm. and yeah. not always be honest yeah <laughs> oh it's wonderful like i'm really excited about this drink i'm buying um, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm always buying drinks. Always buying beverages. Juice. Juice, juice, juice. Juice, juice, juice. All right, Dr. Dickey, where can people find you <laughs> on the internet, social media, and all that jazz? Um, so I am on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, my handle is Vici Site Care. And um, I have a website. It's actually getting redone. So by the time this airs, it'll probably be like in its beautiful new form. Um, okay. So I have a website on there. And again, doing what works for everybody. You, If you're interested, there's a form on there to fill out. You can email, you can call, you can text us, whatever you are most comfortable doing. Um, but I will say I am mostly on Instagram for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. This keeps pulling us in. I, I hear you. Yep. <laughs> All right, Dr. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank it was great you. talking to you, hearing your insight, and just hearing about all the great care that you provide people. Oh, thank yes. you. Thank you for having me. It was great talking to you guys, too. Absolutely. Have a good rest of your day. You, too. Thank you for listening to the show. Be sure to subscribe, slash rate, slash review us on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can check us out on Instagram at TNDPod, on Twitter at TNDPod1, one is in the number one, or visit our website at tndpodcast.com you can also visit us at patreon.com slash tndpodcast we've got um bonus episodes we've got polls we've got history lessons we've got all sorts of fun stuff there um head on over to check out our patreon if you'd like to um be on the show head on over to our instagram um, and you can fill out a google form that is in our link tree you just want to say hi if you want us to be one of your hundred people you talk to a day you can email us at therapists next door at gmail.com uh, that's therapist plural next door at gmail.com uh sarah is there anything you would like to plug heck yeah heck yeah joanna double plug that patreon.com forward slash tng podcast support us my friends so we can support you i'll, I'll yes. get that i'll get that line down something support like us it. so we can we're supporting. Yeah, 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 cool. So we can inform we can do, you. We can do what we do. Yeah, we do what we do. All right. So I am on Instagram and the internet, uh, teletherapywithsarah.com or teletherapy underscore Sarah with Sarah on Instagram. I'm not really on there a lot, but I do go on there a lot to let you know when I have blog posts, which I have usually two a month. 
Whoa. Uh, lifestyle tips for professional millennials from working class backgrounds, class consciousness, anti-racist uh, content. Uh, I'm not, I'm only doing one blog post this month because I'm in the middle of an SEO course and it is kicking my butt downtown. It seems um, a very intense course. Yeah. It's very intense. Yeah. But it's going to produce some great stuff. Uh, yeah, Joanna, anything to plug it yeah so it's september now so oriana therapy is back open um check it out yeah um there's gonna be a lot of more more cool stuff there's gonna be synchronous options asynchronous options um there might be groups i don't know because it's a future but like i'm really excited about it so check that out i'm gonna be offering a lot of evening times um and i'm just really excited to get back started into therapy again from past joanna to future yeah and that's orianatherapy.com maybe my instagram will be more um usable but uh that's i don't even know what the instagram is anymore so but if you check out our uh the (laughs) if you check out the uh the show notes you can see links to all all of the stuff that we talk about um Yeah. yeah like like sarah's etsy shop um Oh yeah, my Etsy shop. Like yes. So, Millennial in therapy. Yes. Yeah. Maybe there'll be an Etsy <laughs> shop for me. Who knows? I'm planning yeah. on being prolific during my maternity leave. But if I'm not, that's okay too. So who knows? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, until next time. Me or your we therapists. are your therapists. Next door. Next door. Bye. Bye.